Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 433 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd here with you. Todd, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Joe? Mm-hmm. Uh, feeling a lot of pressure on me, Todd, both in oh, my well. head and in real life. Well, there you go. You should probably find a relief valve for that kind mm. of stuff. <laughs> uh, there's only so many pills you can take in a day to release what the stress I have. Oh, I say outsource some of this, the problems that you have. I tried. <laughs> but again, we'll, uh, we'll deal with that another day. Everything, mm-hmm. even when I outsource things, it always comes back to me anyway. Remember we used <laughs> that to have is true. For this show? You, you should really find better, a better class of people, Joe. Mm. That ain't happening. Well, so well. let's get into the show. Uh, there's actually comic news this week. When I was getting ready to send you the email, I'm like, oh, there's no news this week. Okay. And then I remembered, I'm like, oh, I have all these links that I grabbed from the other other week. So we have news about delays, we have news about cancellations, and we have news about a uh, variant cover that is going to be very interesting discussion, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have uh, conventions this weekend, and the convention season is picking back up. We've got digital sales and freebies, of course. We have maybe the biggest what we read section, uh, what we read last week's section in quite some time. Yes. As we'll be discussing Batman 62, Gunning for Hits number one, Young Justice number one, and Criminal number one. Uh, and that's because we don't got any TV to talk about this week. Uh, we do have, of course, what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Todd's Art Attack, and other assorted and various things to discuss here as well. Yes, and I think, do we have a a retraction this week? Oh, yes, we do have a retraction, so let me get into that. So, as we were discussing last week on the show in regards to Wolverine getting his Adam Antium taken out, Mm -hmm. uh, what was, I almost said something else, but what was uh, Mr. Goody Two-Shoes was Adam Ant? Yes. And this was his Adam Ant-Eum? Yes. Right. So I had said on the, on the show that it seemed to me that Wolverine only had his adamantium gone for like three years or something like that. Right. And we were in the midst of the show when things moved fast in the show. We just kind of moved on. And of course, Todd did his due diligence because I made him look foolish on the show with my incorrect information. I got called out on some other incorrect information as well on uh, At Odds with Wrestling this past week as well. But it seemed as though that Wolverine had his adamantium out for the better part of six years. And this is where the numbering of things and the names of crossovers and things like that. And this was simply one of those deals where we're in the middle of the show, needed an answer. I typed in, when did Wolverine get his adamantium back in comics? And it said 1999. And then it said it was taken out in this crossover. And then in parentheses after it, it said like 1997. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, that's two years. And obviously, it didn't seem right in my head, but, like, we got to keep the show moving. And I don't have time to go and edit things on the fly. This is live to tape, the show. Right. So uh, I was incorrect last week in stating that Wolverine only had his adamantium out for two years when it was actually six years. And uh, 
I don't know. I'm with you. I like that look of Wolverine where he's like wearing like a do rag and right. Well, I find it amusing like too because when I send you the email, I'm like, and it gets confusing because he had it out. He had it brought back here was the issue but it was a flashback and then there was a fake wolverine that was a scroll so but then there was a horseman of the apocalypse that was death that was like uh, a disguised wolverine so he had his adamantium for a few months and then the story was told in the issue in a flashback i'm like oh my god the x-men continuity is always the most fun and never a trouble troublesome to you know to traverse those waters at all and, and you wonder why we never talk X stuff, like current X stuff on this show, mm-hmm. or read current X stuff. Like, the most we'll do is, like, a solo time. Like, I think the last X stuff that I purchased was the Magneto series by Colin Bunn that you had suggested to me. Yes, that was of an ongoing. That was probably the last X book that I read. And then there was a Madrox miniseries that I tried just, and boy was that, boy howdy, that was, that was a time travel miniseries where Maddox, Madrox was, you know, had dupes time traveling. It, it made my head hurt. I'm like, oh, and then people wonder, like you say, like X-Men gets a bad rap. And I'll say this, uh, in regards to, yeah, so it's, it's X-Men, it's duplicates, plus it's time travel. Like, let's mm-hmm. hit every every terrible trope that you could possibly get and make things more convoluted and confusing, you know? Right, like, let's make, let's bring the original X-Men team from the past and into the future. Like, I don't even know if that's resolved, Joe. Um, I think it is. I'm sure we have listeners to the show that are much more in tune with, with what's going on with the interworkings of the X people. Mm-hmm. And they could probably answer that question better than either one of us. I, I, I bet you they could. I'm so out of the loop on X stuff, it's ridiculous. Okay, so, getting into things that we are more in the loop on, and of course the check didn't clear so we could bash this. Uh, Doomsday Clock number 9 is late. Uh, it's being moved back to, uh, it was supposed to be coming out next week. Now it's moved to two weeks after that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so we've got three more. Now, and, and we talked about it last time. We talked about issue eight, and issue eight was really good. And I think we kind of both agreed that it was probably the best issue of them so far. I think so. I might have gone for that uh, Rorschach origin, the new Rorschach, but uh, it was close. Right. So, um. The first issue of this, and, you know, we kind of debunked the whole thing that we originally thought it was going to be a four-issue miniseries, but that was, like, it shot down very quickly, and then it went from being, you know, the 12-issue series, then it was going to be bi-monthly, and so forth. But even at bi-monthly, it's kind of on schedule, because the first issue came out in November, uh, it came out like that, if you remember, it was like that Thanksgiving week book. Um mm-hmm. You know, when for the week of Thanksgiving and the week of Christmas, the big publishers put very little product out, but they'll put like one big book out. So that if you right. really want a DC or a Marvel book, you're going to go and get that book. So the first issue came out November 2017. Will Doomsday Clock finish before November 2019? Yes. Okay. I say yes, too, but it's a tentative yes. Oh, it, unless they add more issues, but, uh, I doubt that they'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a photo finish, I think. Right. Cause on that current schedule, that, on the current schedule, if nine comes out as scheduled the first week of February, and then they're able to stick to that schedule, then the last issue is gonna be out in August. Mm-hmm. And do you see it slipping again anywhere? Yes, I do. But I do is too. the whole, is, is it gonna slip enough that that last issue is gonna come out a full two years from the first issue? Or like, tentatively, issue 12 is coming out in August. It's not solicited yet. We don't have the solicitations that far in advance. I don't think issue 10, like, issue 10 might have been solicited for March already. But I'm sure if this is coming out in February, that's going to change. Got you. So, again, let's say 10 is April, blah, 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 blah. Will there be enough delays between the next three issues to push everything back three months in total? Two weeks here, three weeks there. It adds up. It does add up. But, and I say this, do all of these delays now hurt the impact that this book was oh. supposed to have? Oh, yes, it does. It does. Will it will it affect sales? I don't think so, because, like, like, and you know how we use our local shop for, for like, a, a barometer. Because I think our shop's pretty good when it comes to this stuff. Is Doomsday's clock keeps selling, man. It keeps selling. Keep, like, buy it. Go, you know, all right, I need to restock these issues. or I don't know if there's other printings yet, but, you know, keep reordering. Um, so I don't think it'll affect sales, but will it affect impact? wholeheartedly these these talks of already rebooting or you know another legion book and this and that this, all this stuff was supposed to be out of the end of this uh you know these these stories i believe the end of uh, doomsday clock and now it pushes it all back and that that completely messes with your bottom line as a company for like we're supposed to launch these big events out of these books these you know with the fanfare and 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 get sales out of them but now we still need to do these books. We can't hold off our plans for a, another year. I do think it's going to lessen the impact and it messes up everything um, from top to bottom at the company storytelling wise. Right. I, I definitely think that. Okay. So how soon was it that they figured out that this was going to be late enough that we need to reshuffle like two, three, four, six other books? I don't know. I'd say somewhere around like issue five, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Cause wasn't it like, wasn't it like, f- like one through four kind of almost on, on, uh, schedule? Like maybe they had enough in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the cause I don't, I don't remember it coming out late early. That sounds weird. But. No, no, I get what you're saying. Um, so unfortunately DC's site is not as, User friendly as one would hope, and you don't have your uh, your your triple triplicate forms right there. No, like, I don't want no, to. I don't. Sadly, I and was just wondering it, if you did, that might help, right? It's difficult to say because I I would have to like page through page through page through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, but I think you are correct because DC site is eventually good enough that they do readjust release dates as they changed mm-hmm. right so it was the first three issues out on time issue four uh moves from february to march and then by that point it goes to a bi-monthly schedule 
Now, when it moved from February to March, I'm just curious if you have any numbers there. Does it move like from the end of March or the end of February to the beginning of March? Like, cause there's a difference between a week and several weeks. You know what I'm saying? Okay, well, okay. So let me, so, right. So I'll be as quick as I can with this. So November oh, 22nd is issue one. Uh, December, you know, 27th is issue two. So it's like that, like third or fourth week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, issue three is January 24th. So you're like right in that third or fourth week's window. Issue four is March 28th. So now it's the last week of the month, but now we're a month late. Issue okay. five comes out and issue five comes out. Now this is the other, and again, this to me is funny. Um, so it comes out May 30th, which is the end of the month. So like now we've kind of pigeonholed it into that last week of the month, right? Mm-hmm. So issue five, uh, they have like the original art up, which is an x-ray. And in the x-ray, they have February eight. They have February 18. So like that issue was supposed to be out in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it came out at the end of May. Uh, so then issue six is the end of July, last week of July, the 25th. And then I think seven is now end of September. Issue eight just came back here. And that was, that was rolled in from the, the first week of December. Yikes. Right. So now it's in that first week of December. Now it's every two months from the first week of that month. And now the next one... issue is supposed to come out the first week of February, two months after the last issue. And when's it supposed to end? Tentatively? Tentatively? Yes. If it stays on the schedule that it is, it's tentatively supposed to end in August. Mm, which is even late, I think, from where they... Because at some point they have, like, in the book, like, June or July dates in the yes. book. Where where I think that's where the, the story's supposed to end, if that makes any sense. So... I, I, it's really messed up as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I don't even know. I, I don't think it's going to be on time. Like we said, it's going to be late. It will be before the deadline that we were talking about, but it's, it's going to be just this side of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So again, moving on off this image announced that one of the books that they're publishing, it's a crime book called Near Death, uh, written by Jay Farber, uh, who was doing Copperhead, which got delayed. Uh, he did Noble Causes back at Image, which is what kind of got him on my radar. And this is a book that I was getting in trades, and they just <laughs> recently announced, Jay F- uh, Farber himself announced, uh, disappointing news, pre-orders on the upcoming uh, original graphic novel, of near death were so low image has decided not to print it it'll still be available digitally uh image site comiXology etc and then he just puts comics is a tough biz- business friends right and so not- while it stinks that this book is not being continued in print i admire their honesty what are you saying s- somebody else might say different things or nothing at all what <laughs> So at least you're okay with like, hey, I was trade waiting this book. Now, like what they did kind of, you know, puts me over a barrel. But, you know, you can't fault them for not trading a book that's that they're going to lose money on. Right. 
And, okay. and that's more than likely the reason why DC has done that numerous times. Except when certain creators are in jail for crimes that they don't want to help them get bail money for. Those sure. are the only other times. But yes, I get what you're saying. Right. But again, I, I, I just think that some honesty and some frankness with your fan base instead of just things disappearing. Um, and obviously this is a niche book. It's a very small book, obviously from the pre-orders. So I'm sure that it, while it has a very small, it probably has a very loyal fan base. Whereas Joe Schmo, whomever, who was getting whatever run of numerous things <laughs> that there's been at DC where they order or pre-order at their local shop. You know, they fill out that diamond order or whatever it is. And that trade of impulse just never comes out. They don't think any wiser of it. Because it's just like, oh, I remember impulse. I, I think I had that. I want to check that out again. And then the book just never comes out. And then the person never gives it like a second thought, I guess. Well, and there you go. That's their game plan. They don't want to look like they're not selling books, Joe. So it's like a, you know, it's like an under the radar, like, oh, well, if we just make it go away, people will think, you know, that our trade papers sell gangbusters and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm all for honesty and upfrontiness when it comes to stuff like this. That is true. You are the upfrontiest of uh, the two of us. So. Mm. I wouldn't say I personally am. But I definitely, when when uh, things go sideways, I'll be the first one to say, yeah, things went sideways and here's why, as opposed to just ignoring it and hope nobody remembers or notices. Ah, the Todd Roker school of you fixing your life. Maybe you can get a job in DC's trade division. Mm, Ostrich Corporation. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the other thing, speaking of DC, uh, Heroes in Crisis is chugging along. And they released one of the variant covers for the final issue. And it's a variant cover primarily drawn by writer Tom King. Now, the reason the that this is such a big deal is when Tom King wrote the critically acclaimed one-shot Batman Elmer Fudd about a year or so ago. Uh, if you remember the cover of that, there's Elmer Fudd. It's a red and black cover, mostly. It's Elmer Fudd. And then there's the giant silhouette of Batman. And at conventions, when you would bring that book to Tom King, he would draw a goofy and poorly drawn, he's a writer, he's not an artist, a, a poorly drawn sketch of Batman. Then that kind of caught on as a thing, right? Yes. So at first, Tom King was doing it just kind of as a rib. It's like, oh, you mm -hmm. get my autograph? Here you go, right? Then I think he might have got tipped off that people were probably flipping those for quite a bit of money. Well, there was even in there one that became part of a Mr. Miracle cover, remember? Yes, yes. Because there was one where it was birthday for Jack, his son, in the book, and he did it for somebody, and he took a picture of it, and it became part of the cover that it was... It was uh, Jack's, like, art that he had made. And then that, like, it's like now, oh, the, the art that I did for this guy is part of a cover. And that made it, you know, people wanted it more. And people, yes, it's with the Tom King uh, sketch covers has gotten completely out of control. But go ahead. Right, because I think you were at a convention. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm like, hey, I go. And you always ask me, like, oh, you want me to get you anything? And I go, yeah, you know what? Tom King's at this thing. Let me give you my Batman Elmer Fudd and go get one of his cute little doodles on it. 
And you're just like, I'm going to stop you right there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, he's charging for those. And at the last con that you were at, because I think that was when you were at Baltimore and New York last year, right? I believe so. Right. I don't, was I at, yeah, so I was at Baltimore for a day. I'm right, sorry. you were at Baltimore for a day. And I remember you saying, you walked by wherever Tom King was, and his line was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, I'm going to let you know in advance that that's an impossibility that's going to happen because it's going to be a crazy long line. Plus, he's charging for essentially what is a goof. Right. And I, I'm trying to say because I'm not backtracking on the story. I don't remember if he was charging definitely because that's like now like fuzzy in my brain. But like at New York, Tom King was also probably a a wristband signing, if uh, that makes if you know what I mean. That, yeah. I'm trying to remember if that was the reason, too, um, because I don't know if he charges. I don't know that, but I know at New York he was a wristband. So I was like, I'd have to get up, get there early, and hope I got won the lottery. I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that either. You know, so. On, on one hand, I'm sad that I never got one of the Elmer Fudd sketches from him. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think it's hilarious and really super cool that this thing that he did as a goof is now one of the actual variant covers for the current big DC crossover. Right. I don't know, that's kind of cool. I agree. I think, I mean, hey, what? and you know how we are about variant covers. I don't have to buy a variant cover or whatever. So it's, you can make a billion of them, and I'm I'm not a completist, so I don't care anymore. There's very few things that I would be complete on that I would try to get. So if you know, I think it's a cool idea. I mean, you know, even though it's you know not the greatest of uh, technical art in the world, by, by all means, put put ten more variant covers to Heroes in Crisis. I'm just taking the Clayman covers, and I'm good to go. Right. And uh, I uh, I get what I get in my bags, and then I hope that there's other things left, and then typically they're not by the time I get to the store, so I just get stuck with what I get with. Well, you should, always, you should tell me what cover you want. Uh, and then you just it. get whatever cover you think I should get, so sometimes that's not the right cover. Well, no, you could uh, you could look on the website, see which one you want, and I'd pull that one for you on when I'm when I'm you know doing it the right way without spreadsheets and <laughs> just picking right there there early, getting what I need. The, Somehow I always get the cover I want. Right. I don't, I don't know. The problem is, typically all the covers aren't available online Tuesday. They're not like some of the covers. Like you'll get like your main cover and maybe one or two covers. Mm-hmm. But all of the covers, if it's something that has like more than two, all of the covers aren't available online until day of. And uh, by the not to- so much. Uh, I sent you that site that had them. No, that site doesn't have the. I believe me, I checked. They don't put the full list up until Wednesday morning. Okay, I thought they had the full list of covers up on Tuesday. They'll have the. the okay, they'll have like the listing. Right, which but will say like on the Jay link, Lee. It, when you click on the link, it won't have like the art for the cover. It'll just say like, you know, let's say Heroes in Crisis artist is this, but it won't have the art up until Wednesday morning. Okay, believe me, I checked <laughs> because um, I think you know we had discussed it here when Conan came out. You grabbed the cover for me, and you had grabbed the right cover for me, and I saw that there was a Scotty Young variant. But Tuesday, the variant wasn't online so that I could, like, let you know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't up until Wednesday morning, and I'm like, oh, I hope Todd didn't get me the Scotty Young variant knowing that I'm a Scotty Young fan because it doesn't look really good. 
Right. Well, a lot of those with those, like, they might be, um, like, one in 25s or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So they're not on the table. I don't think there was this, uh, I don't think there was a Scotty Young on the table when I was looking. But so. you get what I'm saying. Like, not every variant is available online a day ahead of time because they sometimes mm-hmm. like to play those things close to the best. I gotcha. Right. Anywho, news done. Conventions this weekend. So there's two conventions in Florida, competing conventions. I don't know how close these are to each other, but they're both in Florida. Uh, one is a newer upstarty con. They don't have tons of folks. It's the Central Florida Comic Con. Tom Layton is going to be there, and Butch Patrick is going to be there. Ooh. Right? Then there's the Florida Super Con, which I think from talking to folks that live down in the area, they do them much more often than I remember. I should keep a better... I used to keep better track of the conventions, but when they started, like, changing their dates and adding more dates to their schedule. I think Florida Supercon runs like four times a year now Mm -hmm. in the same area. This is a little bit more comic heavy of a convention. Uh, Jim Starlin, Mike Zeck, Neil Adams, and Keith Giffen. Ooh, Keith. Keith, who said to you, or was overheard saying to you that he's wrapping up his convention appearances. And either this is one of his last ones or he lied. No, he said that, the uh, the last ones that he did last year would be the last conventions where he might sketch at. Oh, okay. He That's one thing I know I did say, because he was like, my hand hurts. He kind of had arthritis. He's like, they got me to do it. It started out as a charity thing for, uh, what's the charity that they do? Um, a CBDLF? At, yes, I, it was either that or Heroes Initiative. I forget which one. Where it started out as... Uh, a for the charity the money went to that and then he was doing them for himself and he said all right i'm making money on these but he goes my hand hurts blah 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 after these five or whatever was left on the slate when i saw him he goes i'm gonna decide whether or not i'm gonna keep doing it and i'm leaning towards not that's Mm -hmm. where he was sitting at the time but still going to come right see i took that to mean like once i'm done i'm done i'm not going to any more cons because i'm an old salty man no, no, he wants to meet the fans and feel the warmth. <laughs> I'll give Keith a hug. If I ever go to another convention and he's at it, I'm going to give him a hug. Right. So the big convention this weekend is the Albuquerque Comic Con in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Todd, this is everything. You like comics, Todd? Yes, I do. Neil Adams is going to be there. I don't know how he's going to be at the Florida and the Albuquerque Con, but I'm sure he could swing it. Larry <laughs> if anybody St- can. Right, Larry Stroman. Uh, Howard Chaikin, Mike Grell, Jim Shooter. Wow. Do you like entertainment, Todd? I have been entertained by entertainment in the past. All right. John Wesley Shipp is going to be there. William Cat is going to be there. Lou Diamond Phillips is going to be there. And here's some names from the past. One you'll definitely know. The other one we'll see. Uh, Edward Furlong is going to be there. I, I know that's a measurement. That's all I know. No. Uh, he was uh, the original John Connor in Terminator 2. Oh, good for him. Right? And Jonathan Lipnicki is going to be there. I know that name, and it's 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 blanking. I know Lipnicki. He was the little boy from Jerry Maguire. Oh, good for him. He's good all for grown him. up and looks like uh, not a monster. 
<laughs> That's a good thing. That would when typically trying... happen to child actors. They would grow up and become monsters. What? David Faustino is an amazing-looking man. Mm-hmm. He looks fine. He uh, but, Todd, do you like a little sports with your entertainment? I like sports. <laughs> you have yet to be entertained by a football game. But from the World Wrestling Entertainment, Lita is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, Kane is going to be there shirking his mayoral duties, obviously. Well, the uh, government shut down, so it doesn't Oh, matter. that's right, that's right. Hillbilly Jim is going to be there. Ooh. And I'll say this. I don't know what our fan base looks like in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. I guarantee you, you go up to Hillbilly Jim and you will not meet a nicer person. He, well, country folk are the nicest folk. Mm-hmm. And Gold Dust is going to be there. <sighs> amazing. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's an amazing lineup of, uh, comics and Hollywood and New York. That's what they call Stanford in the world of professional wrestling. <laughs> well, I look at it as maybe if you could, you know, buddy up to, to Gold Dust, maybe you can get some of that important ew wrestling information that his brother's doing. AEW? Is this like ew? I don't know. AEW? It should be EWW. Ew. <laughs> I'm going to look at some of the folks involved. But, hey, that's for another show that you could listen to over at soon-to-be-named-network.com or soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Uh, there was some discussion of this all-elite wrestling last week on At Odds with Wrestling. And uh, in the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey sort of things, you could listen to After Dark a day later for a preview of what we'll be talking about on At Odds with Wrestling this week. Oh, good. What a mess. Uh, but also, we have other shows in the soon-to-be-named network. We have uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, of course. We have Profane Arguments. We have Podvocacy and Wrestling on the Edge of Forever. I should remember that because that's, uh, you know, the Terry Funk thing. He's going to stay retired forever. Good. I'm glad. Forever. And uh, the links to all of those uh, aforementioned conventions... The other shows in the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.tumblr, soon to be named network.com. And hey, Fresher and Parlance came back this past week. Did they? Yes. And, uh, part, I almost said his, uh, real name. He mess, he still calls me Leonard on that show. That's how long it's been since they did a show. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, uh, Parlance tells a harrowing story of renting a car. And having credit card fraud committed on him while in Namibia. That's not the place you want to have credit card fraud, you know. (laughs) There's a lot of things you don't want to do in Namibia. And on the top ten, credit card is probably like seven. Mm -hmm. But it was it was a it was a harrowing tale. And uh, Fresher actually gets into comic book talk on there. So lots of information. I'm glad to see Fresher and Parlance back. It was a pleasant surprise to wake up Friday morning to see those guys doing a show. Cool. Uh, Digital sales and freebies, of course. Uh, No new freebies, but all those are still in the show notes and links and all that sort of jazz. Dark Horse is having two separate sales, one on Aliens books and one on Predator books. One would assume that next week they're going to do the Aliens vs. Predator sale and just get everything combined together. Uh, Marvel is having a sale on Guardians of the Galaxy stuff, as there's the big Guardians of the Galaxy relaunch next week. Uh, Image is having a sale on 
Now, it says crime stuff, but it's mostly Ed Brubaker stuff. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the crime, depending on what link you click on, it's the crime or the criminal plus sale. <laughs> so, you've got, um, a bunch of, like, trades of, like, recent hits, uh, all of criminal and all of Ed Brubaker stuff is on sale, but then they're like, here's a bunch of number one trades that are marked down as well, and it's, it's a very slipshod trade, like, collection of stuff on sale, but you can get, uh, the entire run of Kill or Be Killed for 24 bucks. You could get the entire run of Criminal up to the issue that we'll be talking about a little bit later on here today for 35 bucks. Mm-hmm. These are great deals. And then they're like slipping in other weird things like uh, Sam and Twitch, which was the very, it's the complete collection of Sam and Twitch for 11 bucks. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many issues is included in that, but that is the very first, it's 13 issues, sorry, uh, it's the very first thing that I ever read anything from Brian Michael Bendis of. I think it might be the first thing I ever, uh, read from Brian Michael Bendis and didn't know it. Right. I just remember reading those stories and then everybody was like, hey, this is Brian Michael Bendis guy, I read Daredevil Ninja. Was that the book? Was that the one? And I one of them was really bad. And I was like, I don't know why you guys like this. Guy. Yeah, Daredevil Ninja turned wasn't good. Right. And then I was like, oh, I read some other stuff. And I was like, hey, this Bendis guy's pretty good. And then DC sale this week is DC Comics on TV sale. Uh, if you have a TV show, whether it be on an actual network or whatever DC's <laughs> streaming platform is. Right. Or God forbid Showtime. Oh, the show that's over there it gives me the willies. All of those related things are on in this sale. Sadly, there is no Batman Year One TV show. I guess that kind of, you can kind of count Arrow as that, but they don't for this. Mm-hmm. And there is no Dark Knight Returns TV show. So sadly, those two are not included in this. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, Teen Titans stuff, Lucifer stuff, my in-laws. My in-laws were talking to me the other day about this new show that they watched on Netflix that's really good called Lucifer. I should check it out. Hey, what is that about? <laughs> I say, hey, you know that's based on a comic book? And they didn't uh, vomit in terror, so. <laughs> <laughs> comic books now becoming mainstream. People don't vomit in terror anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess because of the Gotham TV show, the first a uh, collection of Gotham Central is included in the sale. Good for that. Uh, sure. Uh, right. I don't care how you get there. That's a really good run of a comic book. You should buy that. You can get like the first whatever. I think each like you can get the entire run of that for 36 bucks. Sure. It's like, hey, it was a long winded convoluted way. I got this winning lottery ticket. <laughs> Boy, that sucks. Right, so a lot of tangentially related things, some loose threads tying into these sales, but however they get there doesn't matter because there's a lot of good deals on a lot of good books. Mm-hmm. And I recommend you go check them out because there's good stuff in there. I do too. So let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? Because we've got several options. Uh, would you like me to start? Yes. Because you've talked so much. I've talked too much. 
is you do talk too much. Um, I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most with the Wonder Comics line, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Gleason on art, uh, doing, uh, no, that was cover, my mistake. Patrick Gleason on art. I got confused by Gleason Sanchez, uh, doing the cover, um, of Young Justice, the return of Young Justice. Uh, this starts out that we find out that someone's talking to Lord Opal from Gemworld, and we also find that there have been a few crises on Earth over time, and it's the the ramifications of that and the reverberations ripple through the universe and through dimensions and everything, and it's been affecting uh, Gemworld, so they decide to invade Earth, and along the way... Uh, they end up meeting. We end up meeting uh, Ginny Hex, who was already in one of the Walmart Batman books, but she's on her way to Metropolis for some reason. The cop pulls her over. Naturally, she has guns in the car, so that goes over well. But then, out of this vortex, the the Gem World people attack. Robin's there, and slowly we start to see all these characters. And Impulse shows up after a while. Uh, for some reason, we get a bit of a flashback uh, to only four minutes of Tim Drake talking to Cassie, who is uh, Wonder Girl, and she's kind of kind of saying she doesn't want to be Wonder Girl anytime soon, but she ends up fighting because Metropolis is under attack. Uh, we also meet a new character, a new Green Lantern called, is it Teen Lantern, Joe? Good question. I'm- I believe because he's trying to come up with a better name, but I think that's the name they're going to stick with them. As of right now, it's Teen Lantern, but he's like, maybe I can come up with a better name, and they seem kind of like stick with it. But uh, they end up fending off a uh, Gem World attack, and then in the end, a a a surprise, you know, a revelation as they're all sucked back into Gem World. They end up meet uh, one of the meets an old uh, acquaintance and I'm genuinely curious to see, you know, how it all ties together in the end. I enjoyed this book. I got it because of Ginny hacks. I enjoyed her character, but it was good to see one of like one of the books that I loved a long time ago with like uh, uh, the the original young justice line back together with a few extras. I had fun. I'm, I'm going to read it. Obviously Ginny's in it, so I'm going to read it. That's why, but I actually enjoyed the book too. Okay. I was going into this with high hopes. I like all. I like the idea of this, uh, whether it be the Wonderline, whether it be Young Justice itself, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Don't care much for Gem World and all that sort of jazz, right? So when that ends up being the crux of what we're doing here, I'm already kind of like, uh, you know, I'm looking to see where the door is. I like the Ginny stuff. Uh, I liked the Robin stuff. I like the Wonder Girl stuff. Then you start introducing all these characters, and I understand that it's the team-building issue, but they set the book up that there's supposed to be, like, this big surprise at the end, and it's on the cover. True. Okay, and then I I guess the Teen Lantern stuff is happening in another book, and they're acting like we should know who this character is. And I think they're, t- and like, we should know what Cassie's current status is, and they kind of hint at it, and I get that you're going to try to build a mystery for it, but there's not enough information there for me to care what the mystery is. It's just like there's something going on, 
but we're just going to continue on with the story because we need to move and there's the team there's the 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 issue where the team gets back together i don't think i like this as much as you did but based on the pedigree involved and the characters involved uh the best stuff was the Ginny hex stuff cool by far the other stuff it, it felt like too much too quick and i felt it as though it was a poorly constructed issue now, isn't this line supposed to be for a younger audience, too? Yes. So I understand not drawing out mysteries. And do you know what I mean? Like, you don't want a com- complex book. It's like, hey, here's the team, you know, for for younger readers. Boom, here we go. Some mysteries, obviously, you know, that's always the way it's been with comic books. But I, that like, if this had been, you know, a Vertigo book, to me, this would have been a terrible book. But I knew what I was getting when I when I walked in here. So I kind of don't mind all that. And I don't, I feel completely different about Cassie and uh, Teen Lantern that I don't feel like that I'm supposed to know about them from anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I feel like all that's here, like, that, typical, like, here's something, you know, we'll explain it later, as I've seen a million times in college. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, this one didn't grab me the same way that it grabbed you, I guess. And Gemworld, honestly, I was a fan of, there was a new 52 Sword and Sorcerer. Was Sword and Sorcerer was the name of the book? Yeah. And Lepresti was doing the art, and I forget who was writing it. Um, I loved that book. That was one of those little, uh, one of those little, uh, gems, no, no pun intended, of oh the new 52. That like sailed on, like that was like I think eight or ten issues and then canceled. But I was like, this is really good, really really good. Eclipso was in it and everything because he had a gem, so it was like really you know tied in. I was like really good. So I have an affinity for uh, the Gem World stuff. So when we came in, I was like, oh, the only time I ever read it was that New Fifty Two run. But yeah, so I enjoyed that 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 aspect of it. Hmm. Uh, like I said, I'm still sticking with it. Didn't love it though. Fair enough. So, uh, the book that I was most looking forward to coming out this week uh, was Criminal Number 1, beginning of a new ongoing run of the book written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. Uh, This is the continuation of who would be, I guess, our through-line character through the previous criminal stuff, uh, Teague Lawless. Uh, story starts out with who we later find out is his son trying to, uh, get a big score so that he can get money to bail his dad out. He does, bails his dad out. Teague, the dad, finds out exactly what his son did to get him out and knows that now he has to repay that back. Plus, like, 25000 more. Right. Then, he go- decides to go and get the help of his old buddy who he finds out is no longer amongst the living, and then he finds out more about what their relationship really was. And then in the end of the issue, we're kind of given some information about what Teague's fate is going to be, but that's still a long ways away before we get there. I'm trying to be as vague as possible, just kind of giving you the fishbone of what the storyline was, because I Mm -hmm. love this. This was great. Uh, I've, I've loved criminals since the beginning. I'm a sucker for anything that Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips do. And, and I thought this was perfect. See, I, I love the book too. 
Um, I, I loved everything about it. I loved like some of the dialogue in it. There was, I even, I think I tweeted out something where, uh, Teague is talking about old age and, you know, like some days like pains don't go away. They just, there's something you become used to and you work your way around. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm 45. Like, yeah, I get that. And I was like, just a lot of the like, uh, stuff where he was talking about his friend and how his view changed on his friend as certain clues came to light and everything. The only thing that I want to say is that like, that they're hinting at what's going to happen to Teague down the line. I'm like, I'm trying to remember if this, if this happened, like we saw that story because a lot of the criminal stuff is told out of order. If, if that makes any sense. Yes. And I don't remember all the characters because it's been so long since I've read those earlier criminal runs. I know like, I'm like, are we seeing how we got to something we saw already? If that makes any sense, that's where I get a little confused and it makes me want to reread those criminals. And it's almost like if they had a sale or something, I might try and do that. <laughs> so, but yes, I love the book. Uh, I didn't know that I honestly didn't know this was an ongoing until someone at our local retailer, uh, told me I thought it was another like criminal mini or one shot or something. And I was like, Oh, and they were like, yeah, it's going to be whatever, you know, Ed Brubaker feels like if he has a four part story, you're going to get a four part story. Then the next one might be two. And then that's what he said. Next one might be eight. It's whatever. I'm like, I'm all in. So not only did I not know about this book last week, I didn't know how it worked, how it's going to be, but I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, relive delving back into the Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips criminal universe. Right, and this seems to be on track to be monthly. Uh, this was an extra-sized first issue. I loved it. It was great. Criminal's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I get what you're saying, that it's kind of uh, difficult to see, like, where these things kind of fit in. But I think they do a very good job of, like, here is this story. You're going to get this story. And, like, there was stuff that was referred to, like, the old man that they were going to rob... Um, you know, his son, I'm sure, is going to come back. The old man is surely going to come back. Or they may have already been in stuff. Like, I know the kid hasn't, but the old man might have been. Just kind of like as as an ancillary character where we get, like, more of his uh, backstory, which I thought was great as, a, as an old-time American wrestler who went over to Japan to be a heel after World War II, you know? Like, that was, like, such a cool little storyline. And, like, I think that in and of itself could have been its own, like, miniseries or full issue. But I think we got enough of it to to put over the importance of the item that was stolen. And, again, I really can't go on enough about how good Criminal number 1 was and how good Criminal is. Go buy it. It's fantastic. I agree. That little storyline, as much as I should hate that creeping into my comics, mm-hmm. that was fast. Like, like Ed Brubaker knew a guy who wrestled in Japan in the old days. Like, or, at the, or at the very least, he knew someone who knew someone and got the research like as accurate as he possibly could. He talked to somebody is what I'm, yeah, it, totally. I totally feel like, like it, that's the way it is. You're, you're reading dialogue or you're reading like, yeah, the, like somebody somewhere said this. That's that's the best way to describe it. So we got two other books that are of, uh, I would say, your, uh, I guess, requesting. Mm-hmm. Where would you like to begin? Well, let's start with Batman 62 by uh, Tom King, the aforementioned Tom King on the show, and Mitch 
Jurads, we always say. I, I always get I think confused. we say Jurads, yes. Jurads, which is a story of, you know, my favorite Batman villain of all time, Professor Pig, uh, you know, has Batman trapped and it's his, his, uh, working out how he's going to get out of the trap. And I had said earlier, I don't remember if it was on the show or definitely in a, in a tweet that it was, uh, that my least favorite Batman, you know, and he's got one of the best rogues galleries there is, um, is the weakest is Professor Pig. I've never liked any story. And I'm like, if anybody can make a Professor Pig story work, it's going to be Tom King. And I'll give him the nod. He made it work for a couple of reasons. One is it's, you never hear Professor Pig speak because usually Professor Pig dialogue, all it is, is here's random, you know, stream of thought and I'm a violent person. That's the way I look at Professor Pig. It's the, the inner workings of Grant Morrison's mind. I've never enjoyed him. Uh, so we see that, but it's not that. It's a lot of it is Batman saying, all right, he's droning on. He's doing his thing. How do I get out of this? How do the, how do the ropes, how do I make the ropes work for me? What do I do to, to, you know, where do I kick him to do the most damage? Stuff like that. So it's inside Batman's head. So yes, a Professor Pig story can totally work if, you don't have Professor Pig talk. Plus, there's a little gimmick at the end that kind of, you know, throws things off to maybe be different um, that I don't want to spoil. But, yeah, so as long as you don't have Professor Pig talk, you have a good Professor Pig story. Uh, I do not hate Professor Pig as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, of course, he's, you know, probably like in the bottom third of a top five uh, rogue gallery. <laughs> That's some fun math there. As we kind of got into it, we've gotten to it before in person. We got into it a little bit the other day on Twitter as well uh, regarding Batman's Rogues Gallery. But uh, again, it, I I don't think. Huh, how can I say this? Uh, your biggest concern with Professor Pig is the dialogue, and I'm with you. Uh, it just is. It just feels like gibberish. Mm-hmm. So in a story where the majority majority of it is Batman more or less telling us, the reader, I'm blocking out what this madman is saying, so instead you're going to get my inner dialogue as I try to get out of this trap that this crazy person has me in. And this just as easily could have been like a Mr. Zaz story, or a Maxi Zeus story, or whatever lower third tier Batman rogues gallery villain you wanted to throw in here. But I think because of the dialogue issues and because this is Tom King's way, it's like, I can get this newer Batman villain and outside of the Flamingo, I think this is probably the newest one, uh, into my current ongoing run of Batman and make it work because I'm Tom King and that's what I do. And then he did like some sort of like brushed off his shoulder motion, maybe a John Cena, you smell bad sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Um, but like I said, I, I, I think Professor Pig worked, but I think this could have worked with any character. As you mentioned, I thought this was a really good issue, and I'm glad that we're back into the Bane storyline, where as part of this, and we've talked about it before, where other Batman stories line up, like with what's going on in Detective Comics, because there was such a big thing that happened here, where Batman and Commissioner Gordon came to blows over Batman's paranoia over everything that's going on with Bane, 
And in this issue, as he's deep in thought and trying to figure out the way out of this trap, you start to see other thoughts of his creep in, like the Bane stuff, like the Commissioner Gordon stuff, like the recent Catwoman stuff. So I'm glad that all that stuff is being pulled back into the main story. It's just that we're, what, a month away from the Batman Flash crossover thing? I think so, which got a name recently, like The Price or something like that. So we had the break last month, or an issue or two ago, with that kid who thinks he's Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Then in another month, we're going to get a break in the storyline, which is going to hurt the flow a little bit, I think, but at least this main storyline is still the through line through the book. It's not like a six-issue, one-and-done thing. This is what this current storyline is. While there's other stuff going on, this is still the main focus of this year, 12 months, whatever, this this back half of Tom King's run on Batman, if that makes sense. It does, but there's a part of me that I'm not sure as you're explaining this is if you're tiptoeing around something or if you just don't understand what's going on in this storyline. No, I, I, I understand. Um, I'm just tiptoeing around it. Okay, because the way this is going, like, I, I don't know. I don't want to give too much away, but I was just I was just making sure. That's no, no, uh, again, because, uh, again, I don't want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, you know, we're seeing a lot of what's in Batman's head. Right. And I think last issue goes into this, too, at some point. I think this this is a storyline, if that makes any sense. Right. But what I'm saying is, you know, we we know that this is the back half of Tom King's run, whether it's like two years, 24 issues. But it's not going to be 24 issues straight of this Bane thing. The Bane thing is going to be there for the 24 issues, but we might take an issue or two here and there to tell some other stories and come back to this. Fair enough. Okay. So the other book that Todd uh, wanted to read, and he could get into the explanation as to the hows and the whys of this book coming out of the list, uh, but that is Gunning for Hits number 1, written by Jeff Roguevee, uh, and... Art by Moritat. Now, you might not recognize the name Jeff Rogvi, because this is actually the first comic book that he's written. He's uh, primarily a music producer. And that's where we come into this book. And I guess the artist on this and what everything is about this book. Right. Um, where would you like me to start on that? Why I wanted to pick yes. this book up before? Okay, it's a Moritat-drawn book who... As I think I've told on the story before, uh, Moritat is in my, t- he's, he's definitely a top five nicest creator I've ever met. Um, he ended up doing some nice, uh, sketches for me when he didn't have to. He went out of his way, even invited us to dinner at one point, but we were leaving in a couple hours to go home on a bus and we couldn't, one of the nicest guys ever. So anytime. He has a new book come out. He gets a free pass. I try it. Boom. I didn't know this was coming out, but I saw his uh, Twitter uh, handle retweet this and image tweeted that Mortad had a new book out this week. And I was like, oh, I didn't notice it until like after the the show. So I was like, I didn't mention that this, that, that we'd be doing this book. So I was like, I'm going to give this a try. So I, I grabbed this book. I read it. And then I told Joe that I'm I'm definitely talking about this. Um, right, and I just want to just throw in here real quick. This was one of the books where I did read the back matter on this. Uh-huh, me too. I was going to ask you that in a second. Okay, 
And the reason I, I mention that only is, is because he gets into like a little bit of his history in the music business, but he also mentions that he, you know, was on a panel at New York in October. So I could certainly see how you may have forgotten that this book was coming out because it was probably solicited right around that time. Right. And I don't really do, like do panels. I didn't get to see, I don't know if Mortat was there, but I wish I got to see him like and, 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 and see him again. But yeah, so this got totally like under the radar. Mm-hmm. But basically the story takes place in the mid to late eighties. Um, we're in a small town in Connecticut. Um, the main character is a, like you said, a record, uh, deal guy and he's coming to check out this kid and see if he's the next big deal. And while he's trying to work out a record contract with him, he, the, the kid's girlfriend is, is intervening and saying, well, we want this and we want that and we want to do this. And he's like, all right. It's constant inner monologue. It's a very wordy book, but fascinating as it goes. And he's like, all right, I can, I can do this and I can, I can do that. And I'm working with you. And he's like, oh, maybe she's a little more savvy than I thought. And it's going on. And and then she, he's like, she ends up adding something to like Trump everything to the deal. And he's like, all right, let me stop here. He goes, I just want to explain a few things. And he goes deeper into inner monologue where he explains how record companies in the eighties, were just would, would 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 put you know would just screw over whoever they were signing like these are the things these are the tricks these are as you ask for more you're actually getting less and that's the meat of the book that I found absolutely fascinating because I hadn't read the back of the book yet knowing that he was actually a record producer so I'm like oh like as we were talking about criminal before I'm like oh this guy talked to a record producer like he talked to somebody because this if this isn't real this is amazing fiction and it goes on and he ends up talking about how like crooked the the the, the record industry is at this time and how mobbed up it is and I, I just love it. And in the end, the, the thing that she asked for, how he gets around it and everything, you're like, oh, boy, that's really good. And he, he likes the kid, actually. Um, and he's trying to trying to, you know, uh, entice him with these these tapes that he has of this legendary, which I'm going to guess is like a David Bowie-esque character. Right. Um, Obviously, from the cover, it's certainly lending those illusions that it's uh, a stand-in for David Bowie. Right. And he's using to hear the tapes to sign him up. But I do believe him. He's and he's thinking about hooking this kid up with this guy. And he's like, I could make all the work in the future. And I think he, he does want to. And I don't know how it's all going to work out. But like we get some revelations at the end. And I'm like, I was completely fascinated by this book. And that's even before I got to, like you said, the stuff in the back. Um, I, I actually love this book and I highly recommend it. And th- like the indie or big rock scene, it's like, it's like a music dirt sheet explaining how, like all the, the, the things behind the industry at the time. I loved it. So what did you think? Okay. So the middle part where he gets into the nuts and bolts of the music industry, right? Mm-hmm. At first, as you said, I'm like, okay, this is kind of stuff that we've known because, you know, everyone kind of talks online. It's like, oh, you know, the real money's in touring. You know, the artist actually only sees so much from the label and, you know, from the sale of this. And, the, you know, y- you hear that stuff quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But this got a little bit deeper. Then it got a little bit more deeper. And then, as you mentioned, you start putting things into perspective and the criminal analogy that this is a guy who talked to someone. 
in the business. And then obviously with the, the back matter, of course, that he was that guy. He was that record executive guy. Um, I, I'm not as much as a music person these days, but I am fascinated with the, how, how like the business of something like this works. Mm-hmm. And this is a period of time where I was in the music and the, uh, the allegories to that, I think work for me. Mm-hmm. If you are planning on picking up this book, I will say to you as a reader, read the back matter first. Fair enough. Get to know who this guy is. Know where he's coming from. Know that he's a guy who's speaking from experience. And this, to me, obviously he's going for a much more fictionalized account of his experience in the music industry. Very fictionalized. Hmm. Um, You know, obviously, like I said, you know, Bowie's in there without it being Bowie. And, you know, you could pin a million different people. And this is the other thing is, and again, this didn't hang me up too much. Like, we can't say Bowie, but we can certainly say Madonna. Mm-hmm. And, we can well, draw, here's the thing. and we can draw a semi-unflattering picture of Madonna in here as well. But here's the thing. I think it's because they it's a passing mention uh-huh. to Madonna where you're going to use Bowie as a character. And they don't, don't mention it, if that makes any sense. Right, and that doesn't hang me up as much as, like, your U-Buzz... <laughs> in a Wreck-It Ralph 2 or a Sun Dollars in a DC Comics or whatever it is. Because um, I'm with you. You know, we're in this realistic world and you need to have this one thing be partially fictionalized because it's going to be a bigger part of the story. I get you on that, right? And also you don't want to get sued. But... And you don't want to get sued. <laughs> the other thing I think is whatever experiences he's pulling from, he very easily could have done this like Bendis's Fortune and Glory. Where it was just like, here's a straightforward, maybe I move things along a little bit quicker, maybe I add a little bit more humor where humor didn't happen at the time. But mm-hmm. here is a, as realistic as I can for a comic book graphic novel, telling of my experience in getting involved from being a comic book, a comic strip artist to a comic book artist to having something I did option for Hollywood, right? Right. Bendis could have did that as a 100% fictionally done thing, but use and draw from his own experience. Whereas uh, Rogue V took his real-life experience and is weaving a, a fictional tale. Right. One, uh, you're getting to the same destination. What's tougher? What is more compelling? You know, obviously, they're both equally compelling in their own rights. But he could, like I said, it, I, I would love what his decision was to go the fictional route. I wondered if he talked to some of, like, in the back, he talked about talking with creators because this is his first, you know, run at it. They helped him out, to tell you the truth. That that would be my guess. Now, you ask, which is more compelling? I might say Brian Michael Bendis' version might be more compelling, but this is going to be more fun. Right. If that because, makes any sense. Because, like, obviously, Bendis' story is going to, uh, it, it was, it was a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, you got your beginning, I'm sure there's a middle, but he could technically go on telling the story as long as he wants. 
Right. And also where it's Bendis's true story. And, you know, maybe he humored it up a little bit. So like, that's why I say it's more compelling. But now this book is going to be to me a fun book where it's all right. What's real? Like what was actually happened in this guy's life and what didn't, what's like, you know, true, what's not. And then I guarantee you coming down the line, there's going to be characters who you're going to be like, is that Bob Seeger? You know what I mean? Like, is that so-and-so? And And it's going to be fun trying to lay these foibles on real people or are they not? And that's to me like the fun that this book can be. Right. So this was a nice surprise, this book. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that he's doing. I'm, I'm not a big into streaming and all that stuff. With I, I do like Pandora for music and everything like that. But he's talking about how he's going to because he has a record label too, I think now, and he's gonna have like Spotify stuff, and he's gonna be doing music stuff in the back, and there's going to be band like all the stuff that we learned about his life. He's talking that in future issue there'll be band news and band information, and talking about me. And I'm like, you know what? If you're a fan of music. I think I can sell that. I've already sold this issue to a couple of friends just because they're big time music fans. And that's it. I'm right. Like, if you're a music fan, you're, you're going to find this fascinating to me anyway. So good, good for him. Yes. Uh, an early, uh, contender for best new book of, uh, 2019. Thank you. I'm glad, you know, I, it's obviously when, uh, honestly, when I, uh, you know, suggesting. Yeah, I, I worry. I'm like, I hope he really likes this. Mm. I know there's no like fallout or anything from it, but it's like when you do like something, I'm like, yay, I did something right. <laughs> well, I'll say this: if I read it and didn't like it, it would be a lot less talking for me. True, that is true. Yeah. I, that's the way it kind of works on this show, where you don't talk and I talk a lot sometimes. Uh-huh. So that's what we read from this week let's get into what we are looking forward to coming out this week if you head over to longboxheroes.com every tuesday around 5 30 eastern time or so we put up the pull post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week where they get your books in print where they get them digitally whether you're waiting for the correct variant cover to be posted online so you can tell someone to pull it for you mm-hmm. however it is that you get your books before warned before armed know what's coming out be prepared uh this year as we always do Todd and I are attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead with one correct guess over me, and I don't see there being much change this week, because I think the book that Todd is most looking forward to coming out this week is Fantastic Four number six. Most definitely, sir. Ah. As we left last month um, on the cliffhanger, where they're going, what's happening, who's going to be there, I'm like, I might want to read that with a sweet Assad Ribbit cover on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at your list, and is the book you are looking forward to most also FF number six? It would also be uh, Fantastic Four number six as well. Uh, I've been enjoying the Fantastic Four run so far by Dan Slott. And, uh, hey, uh, you know, we got all the return of the team back. We got your wedding out of the way. Now it's time for Doom. It's always time for Doom, Joe. Yes. Always. And this is the continuation of Fantastic Week or whatever. What, what's the promotion called that Marvel's doing with this? The most fantabulous, rip-zip-goriest <laughs> week ever? I think that's exactly, like, verbatim. Yeah, like, uh, Fantastic Four Week or something. I don't know what it is. But, uh, Thursday in my fancy Marvel Puzzle Quest game, they're putting the, uh, the God Doom, Doctor Doom from Secret War in the game as a playable character. 
fantastic. Like maybe fantastic. I'll start, maybe I'll start playing. Nah, you're all right. You don't have to do that. Good. We got enough people who say they play and don't play. Wow. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, you can certainly check out all the stuff that Todd and I have done in the past, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, and, of course, episodes of At Odds with Wrestling when those appear. Uh, you can also purchase stuff from our store, whether it be a shirt, a sticker, or a pin with our fancy logo on them, uh, done by DC Comics artist extraordinaire Tom Derinick. We don't thank Todd... Todd, Tom, enough for doing that fantastic art that he did uh, for our stuff. But also, you could purchase anything else to help us out uh, through our Amazon link. Doesn't cost you anything extra. Gives us a couple pennies in the back end. They call it an advertising fee. I don't care what they call it. I call it something that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when I send him his cut of the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week is someone purchased... The entire collection of the Oz series on audiobook. And I don't mean that crime drama from HBO. I mean like, you know, Dorothy and the gold, uh, the golden, uh, uh, yellow brick road. I almost said golden slippers. That's how <laughs> out of it I am. I just saw Wizard of Oz for the first time the other day. So it's all still new to me. Uh, oh, fat. glad you enjoyed it. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased, uh, a two pack of 20 inch inflatable beach balls. Ooh, somebody's going to a concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone also purchased Vita Fusion Extra Strength Melatonin Gummy Vitamins. Ooh, with the extra melatonin? Mm-hmm. It helps you remember stuff. Mm. Wait, and then, you said that? Was it? Yeah, exactly. And then Amazon had a misprint here because someone purchased 100 uh, BCW current comic book bags, and they have boards. It's bags and backs is what it should have said. It's bags and boards. See, if Amazon says that's what it is, that's what it is. Oh, my goodness. And thanks, everyone, for purchasing stuff uh, through the Amazon click-through. Any little purchase, of course. Uh, you know, I know sometimes it's just like an extra click. Go to our site and go to that. Uh, you know, I know for the folks that I help out, I just have that bookmark here, and then I have to discourage people in my family not to use their phone to impulse buy stuff. Because <laughs> yes. I'm sure if you, like, go through the Amazon app that you have on your phone, I'm sure there's a way to connect that through, like, your whatever your favorite click-through is. I just haven't figured that out yet. I know it didn't work for me for a while, so... Right. So, you know, you got to do it through, like, a desktop site. So, again, if you're doing that, you're taking that extra step to help us out. Believe me, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, I haven't done this in a while. I do it on the other show because it's new. Uh, I would be remiss not to mention it here. Uh, in all of the show notes uh, that go up for every episode, we have the link to every place that you could uh, get our show. Um, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Whether it be iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Spotify, Player FM, or TuneIn, uh, TuneIn Radio, it used to be called, it's now just called TuneIn. Uh, any of those places that you use as a podcatcher, that's where you, you could find our show very easily on there. I've been working on it for the last, like, two months to make sure that we're on there, we're visible, and we can be found on any and all podcatchers. And we've had listeners in the past tell us when we glitch out on whatever their favorite podcatcher is, or they're using our podcatcher and all of a sudden we disappear from it. Well, I appreciate letting us know that, because obviously the more places the show is, the more chance there is for people to get it. Um, you know, leave a review, whatever. I think that's all, all a scam anyway, but... You know, if you leave a review, that's great. 
Um, but again, it has to be like a ton of reviews all at once for it to really mean anything on any of these services. But uh, either way, however did you get, get our show, know that it's out there on as many platforms as possible. Doing some work, Joe. Look at you, the backbone of the show. Mm, I'm doing a lot of work. What? <laughs> I don't know. Throw something my way, see what happens. You okay? Oh, my goodness. My Where's my heart pills? Uh, I have some in my pocket right now if you need. Uh, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not have any art attacks this week, so. Uh, well, I will say this. We did. We did? But. But. Our good buddy DJ doesn't know how Twitter works. Well, I will not mention his art if he doesn't come right at me with it. He hashtagged it to you. That doesn't count. <laughs> uh, he recently got a whole bunch of... Magnolia and Duncan Forjato, uh, pages from Hellboy. Oh. And, uh, his wife also got some Black Panther pages from Sal Voluto. Yes. And Bob Almond. Uh, and also he got some Tom Drake Firestorm stuff. That I was with him when he bought, actually. Okay. That's a nice page. Right. So, <laughs> he, uh, has been tweeting them out. But he has been hashtagging Todd's Art Attack, not adding Todd's Art Attack. Ah, well, see, I I didn't look for the hashtag. Mm-hmm. I looked for mentions, if that makes any sense. Yes. So I apologize to our good buddy DJ. Right. That's all. Just wanted to throw that out to you. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll retweet those if I can find them. Yeah, it's easy to find. Is it fine? Right. All right, I'll check. Uh, so I think that's it. Is there, uh, anything else we need to cover? Because there's no TV shows, no movies. Uh, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer came out. Yeah, I didn't get to watch that yet. Yeah, I watched it three times. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's all. It's good. It's Spider-Man. Did you like, hey, did you like that new (laughs) Spider-Man? I thought it was pretty good. I, I think you'll like this one, too. Okay. That's all. Uh, I'm excited for Spider-Man. You know, it's not coming out for another six months, but it's here. I'm excited, Spider-Man. Gotcha. Um, And next week, I guess, there is, uh, will be an episode of Flash Out, so we'll probably talk about that. Right. And I don't think Legends of Tomorrow comes back for quite some time, right? Like months, from what I understand. All right. We got Flash. That's good. I'll be happy to get uh, back into some of that. I wonder when Krypton's coming back, if there's going to be a season two of that. Hmm. Let's see. Because I know that's one of the shows that we do. It's the end of the show. We can typey type, type, type. Wow. You go crazy with the typing. I love it. Uh, Just a lot of stuff. Uh, let's see here. Most recent is August. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No further details. Season two was ordered. Nothing is filming. Yet, what's going to happen? A lot of specula- speculation. Now, it claims that it's going to be, um, 
airing sometime in March. But we'll see. I just found something online that says speculation is season two of Krypton is expected to debut in 2019. That's it. That's all they got. Right. This has March. That has March? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I was just double checking. Then it's going to air overseas and other places uh, several months after. And I was hoping that this would be a outcast sort of deal where it ends up. Uh... Oh, boy. <laughs> Remember that outcast? Uh, Stan, a season two of Outcast? I think there was a season two of Outcast. Where, uh, it goes like other countries first. Right, and then we got it a year later. Right, well. What? Yeah, well, yes, you can get it other ways if you do things. And I don't think there's any other, like, I'm trying to think of what we watched, uh, that we would be doing, you know what I mean? Right, Legend Tomorrow, and if there's any crossovers with stuff. So, yeah, I'm good just watching The Flash for the next couple months. And I honestly, Joe, I think it's this week's episode, and then we have another big gap for some strange reason. Huh. I gotta look but that we'll up see. here as well. We're still recording, everyone. Are we? Yeah, we're still Let the tape run? We never, we never closed out, you know? Oh. This is, this is TV talk. Oh boy, I I always forget to close out my tab. Uh, no. Um, I'm looking here at Imdba, and it has episodes three weeks in January, all of February, and then maybe that's when the break is. Okay, maybe that's that's it. Yeah. I don't know. Because it might be like, you know, up to February for sweeps, and then it takes a, right. like a little bit of time off to lead us up to May. I might be confusing what I saw with some other stuff, you know what I mean? I don't know if you know this, Joe. Sometimes I get confused, and and things don't in my head don't seem right, so that's probably what it was. That's true. And then Legends of Tomorrow... April first week of April. That I knew. See, look at me going. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if like that's when, like, we go to the end of February with Flash. They're off the month of March, and then both Flash and Legends Arrow. come back to resume in April. That sounds. That sounds plausible. Right. I'm gonna go with that. So I guess, is there anything else at all I can assist uh, assist you with? Oh, my goodness. Oof, what a day. <laughs> I might clean that up. I don't know. I might leave that in. It's the end of the show. I think at this point people uh, expect have, this sort of behavior from us. Or have checked out already. They've probably checked out already. All right, everybody. So closing out episode 433 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. <laughs>